The vision received was that of blood cells traveling throughout the body, supplying the much-needed oxygen and other nutrients to the differing members of the body to fulfill their purpose. Once the blood cells are spent, they must return back to the heart to be refilled before being sent out again and fulfill their purpose. Good morning, everyone. Brothers and sisters, it's good to be in your presence once again. Uh, I want to talk to you today about what I'm demonstrating to you right now as you watch me. What am I doing? What, what am I going to talk to you today about? Very good. Very good. I didn't want that to be too difficult. Yeah. I want to talk to you about walking. You know, sometimes, sometimes we walk this life and... Uh, we walk as if we're alone. And the way that we walk looks a lot differently than if someone is with us. You know, if, uh, if our wife is with us, for whatever reason, we might walk a little bit differently. Or if our child is with us, we may walk a little bit differently. You know, we may be more goofy with our children and we may be more quiet with our wives. Or if we're walking with our friend who we like to play soccer with, we may, be, we may get a little bit louder and more roxious and stuff like that. But I want to talk to you about walking with God. In the scriptures... Explicitly, there are only two people that have been identified and designated as those that walked with God. Now, I can show you through the scriptures that it, it, there are a lot more people that walked with God but those two. But it explicitly stated that these two people walked with God. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Elijah? Yeah. Not that I'm aware of. I think I heard Enoch. Yeah, Enoch was one of them that was explicitly stated he walked with God. Anybody know who the other one was? No. Hmm? No. Noah? Is it Noah? Who? You think it's Noah? Oh, okay. You just don't Job. Know. Josh? Job. Seth? Job? I think we'll get to that by the end of this time. Everyone, well, those of you that said Enoch was correct. Enoch was the first one designated as one who walked with God. It said that Enoch lived for 65 years before he had his son. Did you ever stop to think about that? Kids are having kids today. But our ancestors in the faith were not having kids until 65, some of them really long time after they lived their life. They weren't having... It doesn't say, oh, uh, this, this person walked for 20-something years and he had children. I haven't found that yet. The ages were much, much later, much, much uh, uh, more long. But anyways, Enoch lived for 65 years and then he had his son Methuselah. And then after he begat Methuselah, it says Enoch walked with God for 300 years. It says that in Genesis 5, 21 through 24. And during that time, he had more sons, he had more daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. So that's how long he lived. 65 years he walked the earth, he had a son, and then it says for 300 years he walked with God, and during that time he had sons and he had daughters, and then at 365, uh, this man who had walked with God, and it says, and was not, for God took him. And that's all we know about Enoch. Unless you skip over to the New Testament. 
and you look at Hebrews, and Hebrews kind of verifies that, hey, by faith, Enoch was taken away in Hebrews 11, so that he did not see death. And it says, and it quotes the, the scriptures of the Old Covenant, and he was not found because God had taken him. And that's all it said in the Old Covenant. But we've got revelation now that not only was he taken away by God, he did not taste death. It says, for before he was taken, he had this testimony. It didn't say that in the Old Covenant, but through the eyes of revelation, through the eyes of the Spirit, we find out that Enoch had a testimony. He pleased God. Enoch walked with God, maybe, let's include his 65 years, 365 years, but it says 300 years. He walked with God, and all of a sudden he's taken away, he disappeared. We find out that he actually didn't taste death. It's not like he disappeared and died on his own and nobody found his body. It says God took him away. And we don't know why. Not, not according to the eyes of the Old Covenant, because a lot of things in the Old Covenant are concealed, and until you get to the New Covenant, then you get your eyes open so that it's revealed. But you found out that he had a testimony, he had this, this message, he had this uh, important uh, life characteristic, and it was that he pleased God. And so, Wow. He pleased God so much that God said, I'm not going to wait for you to die a physical death. I want you now. I'm going to take you now. And then when you read verse 6 of Hebrews, because my question, well, what did he do? What did he do to please God? I mean, what exactly did he do that he got to get taken away? without tasting death. And the very next verse says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, that He exists, that He is alive, that He is to be sought after, and that He is a rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. And if that's what the scriptures say is what pleases God is to walk by faith to diligently seek him then I would have to come to the conclusion that one of the things that he did that pleased God is that he walked by faith and he diligently sought after God. Amen. He wasn't that far away from Adam. He wasn't that far away from knowing what caused the separation and division between God and man. He had to have heard the story. How they were expelled from the Garden of Eden, from walking in the cool of the evening with the Lord. And that did not deter him. He lived in a fallen state of existence. Just like we all are living in a fallen state of existence. But faith is what pleased God. And that faith was personified in that he believed in him and he diligently sought after him. And so I want to talk to you about 
uncommon favor. There are scriptures in the Old Covenant, we can read Psalm 5, verse 11 and 12, that talk about this uncommon favor that is, is, is it surrounds, it envelops, it becomes a, 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 an almost a walking type of blanket or clothing for the people of God. It's a let all those who rejoice, who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as a shield. So I want to share with you scriptures that show you, to me, a dichotomy. Two things. There's something that you're doing, and there's something that he is responding to because you're doing this. Enoch didn't just disappear because he lived the life the way that he wanted Enoch disappeared because God took him because he believed in God and he diligently sought after him. We want that kind of favor. We want that kind of protection. We want that kind of treatment. Well, put your trust in him because it says those who put their trust in him, he is going to defend them. He says, those who love his name are joyful in him. The Lord is going to bless them. The Lord is going to bless them specifically with favor and is going to surround him, clothe him like a shield. They're going to be untouchable, impenetrable. That's uncommon favor. If we look in Proverbs, we look at how, how the, the writer of Proverbs is, is telling his own son in Proverbs chapter 3, My son, do not forget my law. For wisdom was speaking as the teacher, as the instructor here. But let your heart keep my commands. He's requiring, wisdom is requiring of his son to listen, to not forget, and to keep my commandments. And then, the very next verse says how he's going to respond. The length of thy days shall have long life and peace will be added to you. Again, the dichotomy. It's not like you just walk into this happenstance, circumstance by luck. <coughs> it's because you're diligently seeking him. It's because you believe that he is. It's because you walk with God as if he's right there with you walking. You don't walk this life like you can go out and have two lives. One life is living inside the world as if God doesn't exist and God is not looking and God is not hearing and God is not seeing all that you say and do and even think in your heart. You are walking as if he's walking with you. And so your whole behavior, your whole thought pattern, all your actions, all your words are, are, are controlled 
They are, are tempered by your acknowledgement of the presence of the Lord. And so you are not quick to speak. You're not quick to judge. But you are slow to speak. You are slow to anger. And you're quick to listen. Who are you listening for? The other party in front of you? No, you're listening for the Lord. Because you want to act, react, respond by discernment. Not by carnal reactions of your flesh to all of the injustices and the behaviors of the wicked that surround you in darkness. So we learn to walk with God as if God is there because God is there. Amen. So he says to his son, furthermore, in verse 3, let not mercy and truth forsake you, but bind them, tie them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. And if you do these things, again, there's these requirements. He's requiring this of you. And in the very next verse, he says, then you will find favor. And what I'm trying to call now uncommon favor. I'm not talking about like, oh, some good luck thing happened to you. I'm talking about, man, it just keeps on happening. It keeps on happening. It keeps on happening. And it's not because, you, you know, you're all good. You're all that. You're all that intellectual. You're that rich. No, because you're walking with God. And this uncommon favor keeps coming and coming. And doors keep opening and opening. And the the evil ideas and thoughts and intents of the enemy keep closing and closing and closing. And so we sing that song, Satan thought he had me, but I got away. How did I do that? I don't know. It's the uncommon favor of the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. All these are requirements. In all your ways acknowledge Him and then He shall direct your paths. So you're not lost, even though you know, don't know what tomorrow holds for you. You're not lost, even though you're in need of some finances. And then all of a sudden, at the right moment, the right time, it comes. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And then what will that cause? Health. Health to your bones. Health to your flesh. Strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Another requirement. And with the first fruits of your increases. Honor him with all that is yours. Honor him with the first things that you get. The first blessed things that you get. And then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with wine. You shall not be in lack. You shall not be in want. And you shall be able to be not only blessed, but be a blessing to others. Because you walk in an attitude and an acknowledgement that I am walking with God right now and always. 
We don't have divided lives between the secular and the spiritual, between our workplace and the spiritual, between our home and the spiritual, when we go out and recreate and the spiritual. There is no division for those that walk with God. They turn to Proverbs 8, and I read more of the instructions of wisdom to his son. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. They keep my ways. That's your requirement, and therefore, then you get blessed. Blessed is the man who what? Listens to me. He watches daily at my gates, and he waits at the post of my doors. Blessed is the man that listens, that watches, and waits. Did you ever catch that? He, blessed is the man that listens for my voice, watches for what I do, and waits for me to tell him when to do it. Listens, watches, and waits. And, and I love the next verse because it coincides with that he believes that he is and he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. For the next verse says, whoever finds me. You see, you need to seek him. You don't just fall into a ditch and run into God. You seek him. When he reveals himself to you, you begin to thirst for him, to hunger for him. I never understand how people can tell me about their past, about their, their when they first came into the knowledge of the Lord, and they don't describe any type of hunger, thirst, or desire for his word. I never understood that. To me, that's like... That, that, that's, that's like uh, an orange is sweet. An orange is citrus. You, you can't separate the citrus orange from, from, from the orange. I mean, it's just, it goes hand in hand. So to say, well, I, I can't read the word. What do you mean? I don't understand that. I never thirsted, hungered more for the word than when I first got, when he first apprehended me. Never. That has been the, the, the hungriest part of my life those first few years. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get into the Word, even if I read His Word. Even I've been to Christian schools all my life, and I've read that scripture already. I, I, it didn't bother me to reread it and to reread it and to reread it. I became more and more hungry. I could begin to more and more understanding of ugh, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I did, that was early on. But after a while, again, seeking after Him, again, I love those words. I love those scriptures. I have the understanding to appreciate what He was trying to teach through those words. But I don't understand those that come into the faith and say, I, I don't really read much of his word. I can't really get into it. I don't, I don't know. I wonder. Because that's how you seek him. Not to say that you can't do it outside of the black and white pages. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying this is the most concrete way to get to know his heart. This is, to me, Almost beside receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and hearing his voice, the most effective way that he gets in touch with everybody in this world. Because not everybody can receive from the Spirit. We know that. 
that natural man does not receive of the things of the Spirit of God because why? They're foolishness in there. But if you read his words, sometimes you get a glimpse that you couldn't get before. So whoever finds me seeking after me, diligently seeking, 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 he, what's he going to have? He's going to find life. And he's going to obtain this uncommon favor from the Lord. And so Lamentations says he, he recalls this to his mind and this is why he has hope. In Lamentations 3, 21 through 23, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. We, 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 I, I spoke about that earlier today. Oh yeah, I remember that. Right in the midst of praise and worship. Every day his mercies are renewed for us. Every day, he doesn't remember the sins we committed in the past. Those ugly, vile, disgusting things that we are so regretting, he doesn't remember them against us. He is not treating us as if we injured him, as if we harmed him, as if we broke his heart, even though we did. It's gone. It's forgotten in his mind, in his heart, and he doesn't remember it against us. It's a new, clean slate. It's so powerful what it was to be born again. I'm not sure we understand how powerful the depths of actually being born again that when we commit our heart and our lives and our attentions and our affections to seeking after him day after day after day, his tender mercies are renewed for us. It's like a brand new day. Because the Lord knows after I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I wasn't yet perfect. I didn't always make all the right decisions afterwards. I didn't always act the way that I should act toward even those that I love dearly within my own family. And yet, the very next day, if, if my heart is right and I've repented and I've, and I've committed those things to Him and acknowledged that my sin, I have a new, brand new day. And I get to walk with him again. It's not like he left me and walked ahead of me because he was dissatisfied and disappointed in me. Like sometimes we're dissatisfied and disappointed with the decisions of our own children or the decisions of our own spouse. And we kind of walk away because we're hurt and we're, we're angry. And we're, we're mm, I don't want to walk next to you right now. I'm just so upset right now. He doesn't do that with us. How powerful his love how overwhelming is his love for us in spite of all of that that I just described. And so it's not just our actions. It's not just our, our words. He goes deeper. He goes real, real deep. He goes way deeper. He goes in Psalms 19, 14. The psalmist says, let the words of the mouth and the meditations of my heart the words of my mouth we see, we hear. But the meditations of my heart, no one sees, no one hears. But he does. And David wants to be so clean. This psalmist wants to be so pure that it's not just my, the, 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 the words of my mouth, but I want the meditations of my heart to be what? Pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord. For you are my strength. You are my redeemer. When I do these things, when I seek after your face diligently, 
day after day. And sometimes it's not day after day because it's hard for us to do day after day. But we get better at it if we continue seeking him because even early on, sometimes we took a day off and we went about and did our own business and then we realized that was wrong and we came back. But if we keep doing day after day and seeking him. What does he say? He says, if you draw nigh unto me, I will draw nigh unto you. We, 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 we badger ourselves, we, we embarcade ourselves, we, we crush ourselves when we don't even meet our own expectations of how we should have sought him that day or that week or that month. And we start looking everything like on a, on a minute by minute basis, a microcosm basis, and yet we don't pull back and see the whole picture of our lives, which is how he is, because he is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. And he's looking from a distance at all of our lives. He sees the ups and the downs, the mountains and the valleys. He sees all of that. But at the end, by the blood of the lamb to those that endured until the end, he knows the end result. So it's easy for him to walk with us through the valley because he knows the end. And when we're struggling to get up the mountain on the mountain peak, it's easy for him to walk with us then as we're struggling. I need a break. This is hard. I can't handle this anymore, Lord. And he's there. What nothing. It's okay. I'm your strength. I'm your redeemer. You're going to make it. We're going to make it. I've promised you that I will bring you I will bring you to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. It's, it's going to be all right. Continue to seek after me. Continue to believe that I am. Continue to believe in all the promises that I've, I have made unto you. Because I'm going to bring them to pass. They will not fail. They will not return to me and not accomplish that what I sent it for. We are warned in Proverbs to keep away from the evil woman from the flattering tongue of a seductress to not lust after her beauty in your heart you see some people think that things changed in the new covenant when Jesus said uh, you know you have heard it was said of old you shall not commit adultery the, the act was the sin right That you, you had to act it out and then Jesus said, but I say to you that whoever looks to a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery in his heart. And sometimes we read that and we think, oh, things change. No, it was there in Proverbs. You overlooked it. He wasn't just about the action. He says, do not lust after her beauty in your it's always a hard issue with the Lord. He doesn't go for the superficial. He doesn't see upon the appearance of man. He goes digs right deep down into the heart. As deep calleth unto deep. As the heart calleth unto the heart. That's what he's dealing with man. Yes, ma'am. Proverbs 6, 24 through 25. And then we read Matthew 5, 27 through 28. So Job said, in, in regards to this issue of, of being tempted by the things that you see. Because that evil, seductress woman is not like th that, that prostitute we see on the street, you know, that, that's dressed the way that they are. 
and is trying to entice people so that she can make a buck. That evil, seductress woman is sin. Any kind of sin. And the sin that tempts you is not the sin that tempts her. And the sin that tempts me is not the sin that tempts you. And it's the temptation to sin that Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. I made an agreement with my eyes, with myself, that I would not look upon a young woman. Because maybe that was his weakness. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to look upon this. I'm not going to look upon that. I'm not going to look upon the things that I know are going to cause me to stumble. Jesus said it in this way. If your right hand offend you, cut it off. It didn't mean literally cut your hand off. It meant cut the things that, that, that tie you to that temptation. Cut them out. Amen. Don't put yourself in that weakened predicament that might cause you to stumble and fall. Just turn away. Get away. Because it's better if you cut that off and make it into heaven with the Lord than to go to hell with your whole body and eventually the lake of fire. Has anybody figured out who was the other person that was called to that he that was identified as walk with God? And I think I heard somebody say it and they were right, but only that person said it. Somebody jumped on the bandwagon. I think you jumped on the bandwagon, didn't you? Yeah. You, you can carry him out there? Because he jumped on your bandwagon. Is he, he, he okay? Yes. Noah was right. Noah was the second person that was said to have walked with God. In Genesis 6, 9, it says, This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. He was perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. I'm going to skip that, 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 that's the identification of the man and I'm going to skip over to Hebrews because Hebrews talked about Noah he said by faith Noah being divinely warned of things not seen so he was given revelation of things that nobody has seen and then he did something again the dichotomy again he was given information <clears throat> He had, a, he had a, a, a word with God and then he responded to that word with God and it says he moved with godly fear. See, he believed that he is. He moved with godly fear. That's believing that he is and that he, he's gonna, whatever he said is going to come to pass. So I'm going to move on that word. And he moved a hundred years. All by his own, and built an ark. And he had children when he started building the ark. He had three. So they weren't helping him for the first 10, 15, 20, 25 years because they were too little. He was doing it on his own. And he prepared an ark for the saving of the world by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness which is according to faith. Faith, along with the many other scriptures that we read, is the evidence of things hoped for or the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is acknowledging the existence of God and walking in that acknowledgement. 
Because to walk this life without acknowledging that he is, is to not walk in faith. You walk with God because you acknowledge that he is. So he moved with fear. He began to do what God told him to do. We have a word for that. When you are, when you do what you're told to do, what are you doing? Biblical word. Big give me biblical word. What'd you say? Obey. Obey. If you walk with God, it's because you're walking in obedience. Because when you are disobedient, you are not walking with God. So we come to Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham. What's the next word? Obeyed. By faith, Abraham, if you know the story, he listened to God. God called him out of, out of, out of where he lived, tell him to leave his family, leave your country, take your, your wife and your family and all is with you because I'm going to take you to another land and I promise to give you all of these multitude of descendants and uh, just do what I say. It doesn't say Abraham argued. It just says he started making his plans and he moved on out. I'm sure his family's like, huh? What? Where are you going? What are you doing? And he did it anyway. And so that's the, that you have to understand these things are written to us as examples. There's sometimes God is going to speak to you in your life about something that he hasn't spoken to anybody else and he is testing to see whether you will obey him and walk with him even though nobody else has heard that. Nobody was told to build an ark, just Noah. Abraham was the one that was come to. It didn't, say, it didn't say God came to Abraham and his wife and his family so that they could all see that God was telling him to leave. No, he only came to Abraham. And Abraham had to decide, am I going to walk with God or am I going to stay in the comforts of my own family and my own home? So he bade when he was called to go out to a place so that he could receive an inheritance. And he went out. He didn't know where he was going. That's another characteristic. Sometimes you are called by God to go and do something or, or go somewhere and you don't have the slightest idea where that where is. You just know that God called you to leave. We've been through that. Different ministries that, that we've been in the past and, and I knew at one moment, <laughs> she was surprised to her, she didn't even know, you know, it was in the midst of a... A meeting at a church and, and there was praise and there was uh, worship and then there was uh, someone speaking in tongues and I remember three people spoke in tongues and and when the third person spoke in tongues I had the interpretation I had the, the knowing I had the, the understanding that we were supposed to leave I didn't tell her I didn't you know what let me go talk to my wife and see if that's really the Lord in that moment at the end of that service I I actually told everyone. I didn't go to the pastor. I, I, I actually rose up and said, I need to speak. And I said, the Lord has spoken to me. It's through what she said, and it's time for us to go. My, my wife was with probably Lydia. I don't, was John alive? Yeah, John was alive. And then they brought them out. <laughs> they were in the back. No, I just don't remember if you were alive at the time. Um, but... So she was with the children, and I was in the midst of, of the service and the going on, and I told the pastor, told everyone there. Yeah, the Lord said, it's time for us to go. I didn't question it. I didn't ask, 
hey, is this right? Is that wrong? You know, and then they brought my wife and she's like, what's going on? What's going on? What? what? And, and she was totally surprised. And sometimes you got to do that. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't, I didn't have another church on the side like I'm going to two churches and, and, and then I, you know, I left one. No, I had no idea where we were going next. So I, when I read these, they're live to me because I've experienced these. And maybe you haven't experienced exactly the way I did, but if you read the word and you open yourself up to the Lord and, and diligently seek him, he will open up to you the many experiences that you have already had where he had to walk you like that. Because to come out from this world, to come out from this kingdom, it's all very similar, even though it all might look differently because we're in different places. But he went to a, a foreign country and he dwelt in the land of promise, not knowing uh, where it was or what it's about. But it said in verse 10 that he, he did all of this. But he was waiting for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So maybe he was going out and he was thinking he was going to see that. But at some point, he was looking for something greater than something that he could tangibly or, or concretely see in the physical existence. And I, I love Noah and Abraham because I believe that they bring such a, 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 a clear-cut example of what faith actually is. Because when you go to James, chapter 2, verse 22 and 24, James is, is trying to, to explain what faith actually is. And he says, do you see... That faith was working together with his works. He was talking about Abraham. He said, by works, faith was made perfect. Don't you see that? And so that's why when you look at Abraham's story and you see that he listened to the Lord and he did what he said. He listened to the Lord and he did what he said. And he listened to the Lord and he did what he said. Then the scriptures, then the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It was not said of Abraham at the first moment that we came into to the understanding of who Abraham was. That wasn't said of him. This is what I'm trying to say. God came to Abraham, told him, this is what I'm going to do for you, but I'm requiring you to do some things. And he did them. And then some time passed by and he says, I'm going to multiply, multiply your descendants as the, as the sand of the, the sea and the stars of the sky. And, and he was waiting for him to believe him. And then he told him to do some things. And Abraham did it. It wasn't said of Abraham at this time that he believed God and it was counted him righteous. It happened much, much later. Read your, read your, read your book. So what I'm saying is that before your faith can be made perfect, God is waiting on you to walk it out with him. You have to walk with God. These promises that he's given to you, because all of the promises to Abraham are Abrahamic promises that we have come into covenant with him and that we can appropriate those same promises, but we have to walk with God in order to obtain them, just as Abraham did. And it said, Abraham was called a friend of God. So when you begin to walk with God and you begin to do things that challenge uh, your, your understanding of him or challenge your, your um, belief in him, and yet you walk in it anyway, acknowledging him and diligently seeking him, you become a friend of God over that time. 
So James concludes, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. In other words, he is justified by works and faith, not just faith alone. Not just by believing that he is. How many, how many churches around us believe that Jesus is, is Lord, that Jesus died on a cross, that Jesus rose from the grave three days later? There are churches all around that believe that, but many of them are not walking with him. Because Jesus also said, they that believe in me must believe on me as the scriptures have said. And so we have many that believe in the three-person God. Because they don't have the revelation. Great is the mystery of godliness. Who was manifested in the flesh? God was. God was manifested in the flesh. It says, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed in Hebrews 11, 11, 12. She bore a child when she was past age. Anybody know how old she was? He was nine? 89. 89. She was. She was. Okay. That's right, because Abraham was uh, given the promise at 75, but he didn't have his... Baby till 24 years later at 99. Therefore, one man and him as good as dead. You know who that one man was? Abraham. He was as good as dead. Uh, 99 years old, he's supposed to have a child at 99? Yeah. And unto him were born as many as the stars of the sky, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Another thing that I'd like to highlight about faith is that faith is going to cause you to have to make choices. It's going to have to make you make hard decisions. And in the very next few verses in Hebrews 11, 23 to 29, show you an example of a man named Moses who when he was born, his parents had to make a choice. Are we going to allow the government to take our child and slay him? Because aren't we supposed to, uh, uh, you know, abide by the laws of the government? Not if they're unrighteous. Not if they're unholy. So they hid for three months with his parents. Because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. They had to make a decision. Am I going to follow God? Am I going to trust in God? Am I going to believe in God? Or am I going to just put my faith in the government? It says, by faith, Moses, when he became a man, when he became of age, it used a verb. It said refused. That to me is a conscious, willing, voluntary decision on his part. When you refuse something, it's you, you consciously are rejecting it. And what did he refuse? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Somewhere, somehow, someway, he got the knowledge and revelation of who he actually was. And he had to make a decision. Am I going to continue in the comforts of Pharaoh's kingdom because this is where I was brought up in 
or am I going to, no, put that aside. And it says, furthermore, choosing, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. See, he had to make a choice. And we all will have to make a choice. I've said it many times before in our Bible studies in in our own home. That first day of creation, the world was in darkness, formless, void. And God, first thing he did, he was hovering over the surface of the waters, the spirit, and he spoke light. Because man had to understand that he was in darkness and had to be given a choice. You can either continue walking in your darkness or you can walk in the light. I'm giving you a choice because without me coming and entering in, which is God's unmerited favor to come to people who are not even seeking or calling after his name, to come to him in light so that they can make a choice. Do you want to walk in your darkness or do you want to walk in light? He always gives man a choice. And the longer you're with the Lord, the more opportunities you're going to have to make choices that You have to choose between the Lord or the world. Between the Lord or the pleasures of sin. So Moses chose to suffer the afflictions of the people because he saw that if he acknowledged that he was a Hebrew and he rejected the fact that he was the son of Pharaoh, then he would have to suffer the affliction that his people were suffering as well. And he was willing to do so. He would rather suffer the affliction of the people of God than to enjoy enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of the treasures of Egypt. For he looked to the reward. He clearly saw, well, I could have power. I could have prestige. I, I don't have to suffer affliction. I could just remain in the Pharaoh's house, court, and live the lap of luxury. Or I can become like my own people and suffer like a servant, like a slave. It says, by faith, he forsook. That to me is a conscious decision. He gave it up. He gave up Egypt. He didn't care about the wrath of the king and he endured because he saw him who is invisible. He believed that he is and yet he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him just like Enoch because he looked to the reward. It said at the end of verse 26, by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood lest the Uh, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith he passed through the Red Sea as through dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. You're going to need to make choices. And I want to tell you that in the next batch of verses, you're going to have victories. Look at all of the, the, the testimonies. Women received their dead to life again. The walls of Jericho fell down after they encircled them for seven days. You ever stop to think about this? Was the law enacted at that time? When they were going into Jericho? Yes. Was the law given? Yes. 
Yes? Oh, we're not sure? Oh, come on now. Okay, was it? I mean, did Joshua come after Moses or before Moses? He came after. Okay, so Moses had already instituted the law, which means there was a Sabbath. Right? Was there a Sabbath? Did they have to take a rest every seven days? Yes? Well, it just said here that by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. That means they circled Jericho on the Sabbath. Why? Because God told them to. You see, obedience is better than sacrifice. So when God tells you to do something, even if it goes against your understanding, when God tells you to do it, you do it. They could have argued and said, wait a second, it's the Sabbath day. We can't do it on this day. We can't fight. We can't work. We can't do anything on on this day. But they didn't. They chose to obey because it's better than sacrifice. And the walls of Jericho came down. And they got the victory. You will have victories in this life. Rahab the harlot believed that God was She was afraid of the God of the Israelites, which is why she did what she did in not telling about the spies that came in and letting them go out freely because she believed that God is. And there's more that we could talk about, Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets, but to summarize, they had victories. They were subduing kingdoms. They were working righteousness. They were obtaining promises. They were stopping the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword and out of weakness they were made strong. They became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens and as I said in the beginning, even the women received their dead raised to life again. You will have have victories when you walk with God. Amen. But I would not be doing my job if I didn't tell you there will also be sufferings. And the very next batch of verses tell you about those sufferings because others, it says others, meaning not all the saints got to, to take in part in all of these victories that, that were described here because it says others were tortured. Others didn't get deliverance. But because they wanted to obtain a better resurrection. They realized there was something better to hold on to, to hope in than just the pleasures of this life. And there were still others who had trials of mockings and scourgings. They were in chains. They were imprisoned. They were stoned. They were cut in half. They were tempted. And they died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They weren't living the lap of luxury in some sort of kingdom. They were destitute. They were afflicted. They were tormented. And the world didn't think of them as being worthy. They wandered in the desert mountains and dens and caves of the earth. There will be choices. There will be victories. And there will be suffering. But all of these that made choices 
that experience victories, that experience the sufferings, all of these obtained a good testimony. What was the first thing it said of Enoch? He walked with God, and before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And they have the same testimony. They please God because they put God first before the ways of the world. And they did not receive the promise. There is a the promise. So Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, as we come to a conclusion. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all of these witnesses in Hebrews 11 are the cloud of witnesses of the testimony of faith. It says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that is set before us. You've got to make a choice. You've got to make a commitment of dedication. It's called diligence. Diligently seek him. And then look unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why do we look to Jesus? He stayed with it. He was the example. Absolutely. And he let you in on it. Because all of these people died having not received the promise. Why do we look to Jesus? He is the promise. Amen. So in this life while we're walking with God, we need to do justly. That means be righteous in our ways justly. But when there's an open door to show mercy and compassion, the very next thing is to love mercy. Do justly, love mercy, and what? Walk humbly with your God. Amen? Thus is the ministry of our Father's heart through us. Our utmost desire is to be in the Father's heart, to know the Father's heart, and express the Father's heart to you. If you appreciate listening to this podcast and were blessed, pass it along to someone else by text, email, or word of mouth in the hopes that they might be positively impacted as you were. If you are interested in supporting our efforts, we would ask you to consider the following. One, pray for us. Two, Leave a positive rating or review with whomever you listen to our podcast with. And three, if you desire to contribute monetarily, you can do so at paypal.me slash jbenjesus or cash app dollar sign jbenjesus or Venmo jbenjesus. That's J-B-E-N-J-E-S-U-S. God bless.